0: The Sheila Zielinski Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, Sheila Zelinsky.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to this edition of The Sheila Zelinsky Show. Thank you so much for tuning into the program. Hey, listen, do sign up for my YouTube channel, because guess what? I'm going to be putting some exclusive YouTube shows together that are not even available on the podcast at The Archive. So make sure that you are subscribed to my YouTube channel. Follow me on Twitter and like my Weekend Vigilante Facebook page. All that information can be found at the top. You can see those little social media icons on that pink bar at the right at weekendvigilante.com. Well, you know what? I did a show a while ago. And it is time to do one again on this topic because I recently got a 20-page letter in the mail from somebody pretty concerned that I was not using the proper name of Jesus that I really needed to start going by Yeshua HaMashiach. So we're going to go again on this topic and I'm entitling today's show Hebrew Roots, What's It Really About?, and who better to join me than the one and only who really needs no introduction, the voice of evangelism himself. It is Pastor David Langford. Welcome to the program, sir. It is a pleasure to have you back on.
0: Thank you so very much for having me today, Sheila. And we trust that the Lord will enlighten people's hearts and minds to the truth of his word. His word is wherein lies all truth that we need as Christian believers.
1: Yes, I could not agree more that we really do have to be discerning the truth. But boy, there's a whole lot of stuff being woven into the Christian church today. I've done some exposés on Jesus Calling, the number one selling devotional. That thing is a new age nightmare. The shack, I should have called it burning down the shack. If that wasn't already taken, I would have. There again, you have, you know, all roads lead to Universalism with that. We've just got a massive buffet of new age. And Pastor Langford, you said it best the Burger King religion, you can have it your way, whatever you want. And there is just one big, eclectic, mishmashed cornucopia of Antichrist nuances being woven into everything. And what we're talking about today is no exception. David, there's a growing trend I've noticed that's picked up quite a lot of speed the last few years and even more steam the last year. And it's full blown hysteria. And Christians are celebrating traditions, feasts, holidays, getting into heated arguments about whether or not we should call him Jesus or Yeshua. God's name is really Yah, Y-A-H. No, wait a minute. It's Y-H-W-H, right? No, it's Jehovah, Yehovah, Yahweh, all this confluence of weirdness creeping into the Christian church. And Christians are now, David, actually practicing Judaism. And this is a movement, well, I call it an antichrist cult, but others call it Hebrew roots. And I think Christians don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole, David, for fear of being labeled well as one potential guest who refused to come on my show saying I was anti-Semitic. So that's what we get labeled as a Jew-hating Nazi, David.
0: Oh, absolutely. I love the Jewish people. The Word of God was written by all Jewish people. Uh, But I'm not a Jew. I never was a Jew. I'll never be a Jew. I'm a Gentile. And people that are Gentiles have no concept. This is why you have to go back and be a purveyor, of Judaism, this is re- this was the whole purpose for the book of Galatians. Paul went to the church at Galatia, and what was happening there were uh, his during his absence, there were teachers that were coming from Palestine called Judaizers, and they insisted that these Gentile believers could not be true Christians until they submitted to the Jewish ordinance of circumcision and, of course, a host of other things: the Sabbath, eating particular meats, etc. And so Paul wrote this epistle to correct this error because they had become converted by hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he begins in Galatians 1 and 6, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him, Jesus, that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. When you begin to be a purveyor of Judaism, you're perverting the gospel of Christ. The only reason we know so much about Judaism in America is because we have Bibles, we have concordances, we have authors, writers, etc. But for the the nominal Christian in China, he has absolutely no concept, but he's born again washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, and on his way to heaven. And he knows nothing. You say Yom Kippur to him, and he says, what kind of language is that? He has no idea that that's Hebrew. We're talking about the Feast of Atonement. So, you know, we have that knowledge because of our ability to have books and authors and writers and see that. But I'm a Gentile. I don't practice any forms of Judaism. I am a Christian. And when Christ said, it is finished, And he came not to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. Once that contract was fulfilled, the law, it was finished. It's null and void now. So, for people to try to put the onus on Christians, and that's the whole book of Galatians, we have a whole book trying to dispel the error. And Paul even rebuked Peter, because when Paul got to Galatia, Peter was, when he was around the Jews, he's practicing Judaism. And when he is around Gentiles, he's practicing like the Gentiles. And so in Galatians 2.11, But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. Blamed for what? Creating this division in the body of Christ. Not Judaism, the body of Christ. For before that certainly came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come... He withdrew and separated himself, fearing them that were of the circumcision. And the other Jews disassembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas was also carried away with their dissimulation or their hypocrisy. See, you know, you mentioned earlier when we were talking about Burger King. This is what I'm talking about. You want to have it your way. Jesus is emphatically the way, the truth, and the life. But here's the problem, and I'm going to offend some people, but that's all right. They have a weak conscience. You see, Paul addressed that in uh, Romans 14, a weak conscience. If a brother has a weak conscience, I will not eat meat in front of him. But when he's not there, I'm going to eat it. And, of course, before there was the law, the Mosaic law, and that was all a dispensation of time. It was a parenthetical time, but it was a time when God established these guidelines. But after the Noatian flood... In Genesis chapter 9, verse 1, And God blessed Noah and his sons, and said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth, and upon every fowl of the air, upon all that moveth upon the earth, and upon all the fishes of the sea. Into your hand are they delivered. Now this is all creation, creatures. Verse 3, Every moving thing that liveth Shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things. So he attaches Noah back to Adam and Eve in the garden prior to the fall of man, and says, "Just as I gave in the garden every green herb for meat to eat, now every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you." And here's the significant problem in Judaism, is forbidding to eat certain meats. Now, Paul knew that would happen through the Holy Ghost. So here's what Paul says in 1 Timothy 4.1. Now the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with the hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused, if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. Everything I eat, if it's a cheese cracker, I ask God to sanctify that before I put it in my mouth. When Paul said they would depart from the faith, and give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. This is exactly what that is. And then he said they would command that you abstain from certain meats. This is heresy. This is deception. This is delusional. And I know that's crass, but that's the Word of God. That's not David-like. That's not my ideology. That is the infallible, immutable Word of God. And that's what they're arguing with, Sheila. They're not arguing with you. They're not arguing with me. They're arguing with the Word of God. They're twisting the Scriptures to say what they want it to say. They feel like, I'm doing something that helps implement my salvation. You don't do anything for your salvation.
1: That is right. In Ephesians 2.8, what does it say? The Apostle Paul himself was exceedingly clear that salvation comes to us for what? From God's grace, which we receive through faith. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. This is a gift from God. And what does Paul add in verse 9? He says, not by works so that no one can boast. That kind of seems like a very odd inclusion, given that Paul is writing primarily to the Gentiles who do not seem to be troubled by the issue of salvation by works of the Jewish law. And it's like these people are returning back under the law you couldn't even keep the law to begin with. You break one law, you break them all. So, you know, again, this movement has absolute adherence to all sorts of, you know, a kosher diet. Feasts must be strictly adhered to the Sabbath on Saturday. And again, you got to use the word Yeshua or Yahweh or Yahweh or Y-H-W-H. Yeshua or Yeshua for Jesus. They can't even decide the proper pronunciations between them. There's groups breaking off. I mean, it's just, it's gotten out of control, hasn't it?
0: Absolutely. Let's look at it from an educational perspective. Gamaliel was a doctor of the law. History records he was 35th in line from Mount Sinai to receive the law, a direct descendant of Moses. Moses was the first to receive the law. Gamaliel was a doctor of the law. 35th in line from Mount Sinai to be a direct descendant of the law, and that's who Paul was tutored and nurtured under, Dr. Gamaliel. But Paul's conversion in Acts chapter nine brings him to Christ, redemption, salvation, the work of the cross. So here's what he says to the church at Galatia, and Galatian 11. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel—now here's the key word, gospel—has nothing to do with the law. The terms grammatically are changed the term is changed from law to gospel but I certify you brethren that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man for I neither received it of man neither was I taught it but by the revelation of Jesus Christ for you have heard of my conversation. The word conversation in the Greek always means lifestyle. For you have heard of my lifestyle and time past in the Jews' religion. Now, Paul calls it a religion. Why? Because it's not the gospel. It's a religion now. It's over with. It's no more than Buddhism, Confucius, Catholicism. And that's all it is. It's a religion. So, time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. The Greek says he ravaged the church of God and profited in the Jews' religion. We all know that Christ is not a religion. He's a relationship. And so Paul is hammering the Jews as a religious faction now, and profited in the Jews' religion above my equals, like Dr. Gamaliel, in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my father. Of my fathers. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him, Jesus, among the heathen, me I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them that were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem. That's when most theologians believe in that three years in the Arabian desert. He got more revelations in, in 2 Corinthians 12. Because of the abundance of the revelations given to me, there was a messenger from Satan sent to buffet me. So that Paul is preaching, he said, I did not receive this of man, and neither was I taught it. Judaism is passed on. Paul declares it as a tradition, as a tradition. And he said, I was exceeding those other traditions of my fathers, but it's now it's passed. And so... This is the problem with people who live that. You know, you, that is borderline blasphemy to what Jesus Christ did on the cross. You're making null and void and of none effect the work of God by the traditions of men. That's what Jesus said to the Pharisees. See Now, no one kept the law any greater, or let me say nobody could keep the law, but they advocated like nobody else. But here's what Jesus said, and you got to listen to this word here in uh, Matthew 5 and 20. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Well, they talked about how they fasted twice a week, paid tithes all they possessed, kept the Sabbath, didn't eat pork. Jesus says to us, except your righteousness. Now, this is the key phrase, your righteousness. Well, see, your righteousness will never attain anything. So he says, except your righteousness shall exceed the the righteousness of the Pharisees and the scribes, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Guess what? Your righteousness can never exceed the true righteousness of God to get you into the kingdom. So these people regretfully, Sheila, they're delusional, they're deceived, and they're believing false doctrine. Now, I I believe in the Jewish feast. I don't keep them. The The only sacrament I keep relative to the Jewish feast is communion. Jesus established that in John chapter 13. Melchizedek, all people understand, Melchizedek, after the battle where Abraham won, Melchizedek offered Abraham bread and wine. That was your first communion service, 430 years before the law, see? So what you have is you've you got bookends. you got the covenant with Abraham in Genesis. Then you have Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch. Then you have the cross. That's the new covenant. So you got the covenant made with Abraham, which was, was Jesus Christ, Abraham, Isaac, the seed, the promised seed. Then you have Christ fulfilling that at the cross. Those are your two bookends, see? And so now we live absolutely in grace, as I said. Talk this stuff to Chinese or Vietnamese people. They'll look at you. What are you, what are you talking about, Yom Kippur? See, the gospel, go into all the world and preach the gospel, because the gospel is to be preached unto every creature. And they have no idea. They have no background. So you expect me to believe those people are not saved. And furthermore, and this will make some people mad, when you keep the Sabbath on Saturday, that's cool if that's what you want to do. There's no biblical precedence for that. As a matter of fact, Paul rebukes that mindset in uh, Romans 14 and 5. One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. And he that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not and giveth thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. So people who are keeping the Sabbath are keeping a Catholic Sabbath. Because the Jews operate on a 354-day calendar. And you've heard me mention that. You have to have that leap month, the Adar, between Adar and Nisan. I study this stuff, but I don't practice it. I know what I'm talking about, but I don't indulge in it. But this is why you don't know the day. And so Paul says, one man esteemeth one day above another. You know, And the reason Christians worship on Sunday is because that was the day of the resurrection. They went to the tomb, and Jesus was gone on the Sunday, the first day of the week. It's not the day, it's not the position, it's not the posture, it's the heart. Are you in love with Jesus? Have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? Even in Exodus 12, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. Not did you keep the Sabbath, not were you not eating pork, not this or that, when I see the blood. You don't overcome the devil by keeping the Sabbath. You don't overcome the devil by not eating pork. You don't overcome principalities and powers of the air by not doing anything You overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Period. Glory to God. I feel this.
1: Mm, That's good. Amen. Yes, indeed. And in fact, you know, we're pretty tight with Jesus, Pastor Langford. I'm pretty sure after all this time walking in the Word, walking with Jesus, I'm pretty sure if we were mispronouncing his name, he'd probably give us a heads up, I would think, through the Holy Spirit. Now, The interesting thing is I've laid hands on the sick. I've cast out devils in the name of Jesus Christ. Demons go. So I'm pretty confident in that name of Jesus. And it almost seems like it minimizes it when you go back and try to pronounce it differently. It just seems like arrogant legalism to me, doesn't it?
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I am a country boy. I'm a self-learned, a self-educated minister. Never spent one day in a cemetery, or excuse me, seminary, <laughs> through prayer and fasting and abiding in his word, abiding in his word. And if the law was so significant, why didn't Jesus preach it? All he ever said about the law was, I didn't come to destroy it, I came to fulfill it. And from that point on, all the gospels and all the epi- see the epistles, these epistles are not written to Jews. These epistles are written to Gentile churches. Church at Thessalonica, church at Rome, church at Ephesus, Galatia, they're not written to Jews. Paul was sent to the Gentiles. So this was the great contention in the early church. This is why the council, the apostles, came together and said, We've got to have a meeting because this is divisive. This is tying up the church. Now, we've been down this road 1900 years ago. This is the same problem that happened in the early church. And thus they meet the council, the apostles Paul, James, etc. Acts 15:10. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved even as they, see, they, had the, they were getting the revelation now. We realize it's grace now, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Christ, we shall be saved, even as they, the Gentiles, are being saved. And so then all the multitude gave silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had brought among them, among the Gentiles, by them. So this is what you call troubling, and this is the phrase that, that they used here, and Acts 15 and 24, for as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your soul, say, ye must be circumcised and keep the law, whom we gave no such commandment. Now these people, as I said, they're borderlining blasphemy, because they're out here espousing this is as a commandment. You've got to do this. And Peter and Paul said, we gave no such commandment. This is not true. You're lying on us. We never said that. You see, and the problem was the change. I'll be the first to admit, I do not like change. I don't like it. But you know why they stoned Stephen? Because in Acts 6 and 14, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, they said, "For We have heard him say, Stephen, that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place, which happened in 70 AD, and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. Stephen, a layman, is preaching, folks. It's changing. It's not the law no more. And the customs that you have been accustomed to, they're over with. And they stoned him for that. And Paul stood there and held the garments and the cloaks of those who stoned the man of God because he was a converted Christian. He was not a Judaizer. He was not practicing Judaism. He was even preaching customs and laws and everything. It's going to change. And they stoned him for that. And Paul arrested people and brought him to prison for that. But on his Damascus Road experience, that all changed profusely. It breaks my heart. To me, this is no more the cult. It's no more than any false doctrine or heretical teaching that you see in any other sect. Colossians 2.14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made sure of them openly, tripping over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat, or in drink, or in respect of a holy day, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days. Paul forbids, let no man therefore judge you in meat, drink, holy day, or Sabbath day. And they're judging us. But
1: here's the deal, Pastor. I'm not a Jew, and I'm not Hebrew. It really becomes a yoke, as far as I'm concerned.
0: And that's why Peter called it a yoke. You put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, and the, they were new disciples. Of course, they were Gentile disciples, and a disciple is one who is a follower of the doctrine and the tenets of whoever he's following. Which we were, they were, and we are followers of Jesus. And what they've got to understand, this is why we have what we call the Pauline epistles. You see, originally the law was for one people, the Jews. It was it wasn't for Gentiles. See. So now we establish the church, the body of Christ, which is for all creation. See, every creature has a right now to be saved. Jesus died for all men. And so they try to put this yoke and burden on people's necks, and it's it's wrong. It's difficult. It's contentious. It's strife. It's backbiting. It's clamorous. It's evil. Because it divides. And this was why they met in Jerusalem in Acts 15. They said, we've got to get this figured out. Even Peter, you know, that's why he showed him the net coming down in Acts chapter 10. And all these unclean animals. He said, I've never put anything unclean in my mouth. See, I've never. I've never. There, an hour, there comes his self-righteousness. It's coming out again. And God rebuked him and said, what God hath cleansed, called out not common. And it said it was done three times. Peter had this vision three times. See? You'll read that in Acts chapter 10. When Peter's having this vision, it was a great sheet. And it said, there were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him and said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord. I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, what God hath cleansed, that call not thou common this happened three times. And so while he's having this vision, Cornelius is having a vision, and he's sent to get Peter and bring him back. And when he comes back to Cornelius' house, they receive the Holy Ghost. See? And so Peter understood then and said in Acts 10.34, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. So Peter addresses that when he said, but in every nation, he that fears God and worketh righteousness is accepted of God. That's why we have the book of Acts. And you, you know, these people won't preach Acts. They won't preach Galatians. They won't preach any of that because it dispels all the heretical teachings. Praise God I'm not under the law because no man could keep it. Peter admitted there in Acts 15. No man's able to keep it. How do we know that? What did Moses do with the Ten Commandments when he brought them the first time down from the mountain?
1: He broke them.
0: That's right. He broke every one of them. He broke it. Before they even got them, he broke them, every one of them, which typifies no man's going to be able to keep the law because that makes you self-righteous. Now, God, I don't need you. I'm doing this on my own. And in the Ark of the Covenant was the Ten Commandments, a bowl of manna, and Aaron's rod. Guess what's on top of the Ark of the Covenant?
1: The mercy seat.
0: That's right, the mercy seat. He tempered the law with mercy. God always showed mercy because he knew the law would not suffice. The law was just for a parenthetical time to get us to where? To get us to the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what that was about. And in uh, Hebrews 9 and 10, talking about the law, which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings, And carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of the Reformation. And the word Reformation there in the Greek means to correct or to amend, to make it right. And that's what Jesus did on the cross.
1: Exactly. It's not Jesus plus, it's not the cross and add this. It's not the cross of Christ with the addition of anything. Why would we want to go back under the law that brought death especially when you've been given the better covenant by grace. If you're going to live by the law, you've got to live by the whole law. So the teachings essentially of these groups, then pastor, it really diminishes the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, making him essentially a liar, making his death inadequate. The author of Hebrews even warns us that when we're tempted to go back into the temple, the old covenant, and that's To deny that Jesus Christ came. We don't keep the feast by keeping the feasts. Instead, we keep the feast by clinging to our salvation through Jesus Christ. He's our feast.
0: Absolutely He is. He's everything. He's our rest. He is our Sabbath. Christ is come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. He is our rest. He is our Sabbath. He's everything. The grace As even a higher standard than the law. When Jesus was going through the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27, ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Which is the greater standard? Physically having intercourse? Or just looking at a woman and saying, I think I'd like to sleep with her. You're just as guilty as had you done the act, Jesus said, if you just look on her in lust. So the standard is so much higher because this is all about now consciousness. And I call it God consciousness. This is all about consciousness. If I lie, my conscience convicts me and I need to repent. If I steal, I have to repent. If I am unfaithful, I have to repent. Whatever the case might be. Whereas the law, that consciousness was not as great. See, because I look up here and say, okay, number one, number six, number eight, which commandment am I, am I missing here? That, that's all you had to do. But now, under grace, the consciousness is, so, this is to be so sensitive, and that's why Paul said they would depart from the faith, and their consciences would be seared as with a hot iron. So they lose the consciousness. See, as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, what did they do? They sowed fig leaves, and they hid themselves. Why? They had a consciousness awareness, oh, my God. We are in sin. That's how quickly that that consciousness was awakened because now they are in sin. Well, that's the way it's supposed to be under Christianity and Christ and the work of the cross. All you had to do, as I said previously, look up there at the Ten Commandments, see which one I violated. Now your consciousness, which is awareness of God's presence. Psalms 10, verse 4. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all of his thoughts. I can say God is in my thoughts all the time. Why? Am I behaving correctly? Am I speaking correctly? Am I dressing correctly? Whatever the case, I mean, my, my mind is, is totally conscious of God and my lifestyle. Am I, am I acting in an unbecoming manner? Am I being flirtatious toward a, the opposite sex? This is constantly in my spirit, in my mind, because of my awareness of God. And the law doesn't make me like that. See, the law is just look around the board and say, okay, which one did I mess up on? But now we live under a greater dispensation of grace and, and love and mercy. So now we just speak wrong. That's why Paul said in Ephesians four twenty six, be angry and sin not. Be careful with your anger. Don't let it cause you to sin. It's, it's a total different dimension. And what they're going by, they're going, it's like being in the first grade. That's what Judaism is. And now we have a Ph.D., and we're, that's in Christ and in Christianity. You're trying to go back to the first grade. It doesn't make any sense.
1: No, it does not make any sense. And you know what's really even more senseless is some of these Messianic rabbis and these other Judeo-Christians, for lack of a better word, they're even getting into the Talmud, Talmudic teachings. The Talmud is straight out of the pit of hell. This thing says that Jesus Christ is boiling in a vat of hot excrement. I'm not even going to... Go there. It's so disgusting what they say about our Savior. You know, some call it, oh, it's the Talmud is the Wikipedia of the rabbis. This is, you know, how many books? 30 plus volumes of just absolute Hebrew instruction that is absolutely, it's heresy. It's absolute heresy. And yet Christians are embracing this stuff. You know, John Hagee has taken this whole chosen people of Israel to a whole new Level to the point of idolatry. It's almost like he's just completely saying they don't even need Jesus. They're such a chosen people. They're exempt from the cross of Christ. That's very dangerous. And you know what? It says that anyone that is, comes to us with another gospel, guess what? Let them be accursed.
0: Exactly. You mentioned the Talmud, which is the collection of the Jewish law and her traditions. Paul said, I was more zealous. Of my father's and their traditions but it was no good see and the talmud is nothing inspired by god it's just writings i mean i've written books you've written books we're inspired because of our walk with god but it's not the immutable word of god it's a vast difference my sermons are inspired when i preach i'm inspired god gives me an unction he gives me a thought and i preach but it's it's not to be an epistle is to encourage, is to strengthen the body of Christ, but it's not, quote, unquote, the law. You have to live by Pastor Langford's preaching. No, we live by the Word of God. And that's all that was, was the rabbis. They got together and came up with this. And the Septuagint was 70 Jewish scholars who came up together with that. And you have the Latin Vulgate. You have all of these things that we read, we study. Uh, we study because we learn, we grow. But it's one thing to study something and to have knowledge, and another say, "Well, I'm gonna make that now part of my walk with God, when well, it has nothing to do with God." Even when I was in Israel, you know, it was the greatest revelation. God, well, I should say, one of the greatest revelations God ever gave me. When I was in Israel, I went to the Western Wall. I put my little skull cap on and went down, and I prayed because you can't go down without your skull cap on. And I prayed. I had a rabbi walk up to me and he said, where are you from? United States. He said, which state? I said, North Carolina. He took me into, if you, when you're watching it on television, you can't see it, but if you're looking at the directly at the Western Wall, on your left side, there's a huge arch, and there's a room in there, and it has the Torah, and it has rabbis in there, and they got people in wheelchairs, and they're laying hands on them, trying to heal them and all of this stuff. He took me through there and gave me a tour. We came back out, and we shook hands, and I embraced him, and I, and, and I walked away from him. And I stopped before I put my little skull cap back in the – they have a big container where everybody that goes there, you pick up a skull cap. You don't pray with, without that on, as this is a respect thing. But I stopped, and I said, God, I don't understand something. I said, how is it I feel such a kindredness to these people, yet they reject your son? They don't believe he's the Messiah? They believe the New Testament is nothing more than a history book. How is it that I feel a kindred spirit to these people, and yet they are blind? And the Spirit spoke to my heart and said, because you both have the same father. They just not accepted my son as their brother. How simple, yet profound. That's the common denominator. They still believe in the Father. We believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But they've not gone to that dimension yet. And I thought, what a profundity. That's why the kindredness is there. I love the people of God. I have the Bible because of Jews. You have your Bible because of Jews. But I don't practice Judaism. I understand so much about it. Last night I mentioned the calendar that I have, that I designed 12, 15 years ago. I went through the encyclopedia just to study the weather and the seasons in Israel. And I concluded these events that are going to take place during the Great Tribulation our natural event, God works in the realm of the natural, stars, sun, moon, star led them to the baby Jesus. God works in this universe naturally. Now, when he wants to do something great, he supernaturally touches that which is natural, just like he parted the Red Sea. There's a natural easterly wind that blows out there in that time of year. He enhanced that wind till it congealed and blew the waters back, but he used the natural wind. He drove the quail in there by the wind. He did that which was natural and enhanced it supernaturally with his power. Just like when Joshua you know, prayed, let the sun stand still. Well, We know the sun didn't actually stand still, but the earth actually stood still because it rotates around the sun. So when he prayed, let the earth stand still, of course, God knew his heart. That's not The sun didn't stop. The earth stopped its orbit, its rotation. And then when he backed up, the sun for hezekiah on the sundial he said it's a small thing for it to go forward god he said but i want it to go backward well that meant the earth had to spin backwards and the shadow be cast back instead of forward to prove that it was god so god supernaturally changed the orbit of the rotation of the earth for a moment for both men and so you know people it just breaks my heart the naivety. And the gullibility of people just to gobble up anything that comes along. Yeah, I love God. I know I'm saved, washed in the blood on my way to heaven. I never kept one Sabbath in my life. I'll eat all the shrimp and pork chops you'll send me. <laughs> it, that's not what defiles a man, Jesus said. It's what comes out of him that defiles him. It just breaks my heart to see it's another type of bondage. It's And Satan loves it whether it's alcohol or drugs or pornography or tobacco, he says, hey, I got you in another bondage. He said, this is a religious bondage. I've got you really bound now because, see, man has a God awareness and consciousness. It's just it's not moved to the level it needs to be. And so they say, okay, we'll accept the consciousness of the law, and that's it. And Satan's just licking his chops, rubbing his hands, said this is great. I got you duped. I got you tricked. I got you deceived.
1: Yes, deception for sure. And he's good at Deception, I'll tell you what. And that word, religious bondage, that is so astute. And, you know, what you'll find interesting, Pastor Langford, is I saw one pastor post this big, huge, I stand with Israel. Most Christians don't even agree on what that means to stand with Israel, do they? I actually asked him, What do you mean when you say, I stand with Israel? And he said, I don't know. I just stand with them. (laughs) I was like, Oh.
0: Well, there's the Israel of God. And then there's the Israel that's not of God. Galatians 6 and 16, And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. Now, I think I shared this with you. I know I did a program with Steve. The Pharisees in John 8, Jesus said, I know you're Abraham's seed. He was not refuting the seed. He said, But you're of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was telling them point blank to their face, you're Ishmaelites. You're not the seed of Isaac. See, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The seed was promised to Abraham. It really came to fruition when Abraham, who was past the age of birthing children, his wife Sarah, her womb was dead, that he made that promise come to fruition. And that was the beginning of the seed of Christ, promised in Genesis 3.15, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, thou shalt bruise his heel. So this is where this, this is all stemming from, back in the garden. So Jesus says, I know you're Abraham's seed. But see, Ishmael was a type of fornication. Hagar was, uh, was a maid, a servant. Now, I think in one phrase in, in the book of Genesis, it calls for his wife. But do your research, she was not his wife like Sarah was. She was a maid servant because even Sarah says, take my handmaiden. He got in the flesh, he produced Ishmael. So Jesus didn't contend with the Pharisees in John 8. He said, I know you're of your father the devil. And they said, we be not seed of fornication. Now, why did they say we're not seed of fornication? They knew. They knew they were not the legitimate seed. And then Jesus goes on in, in verse 44 and says, you're of your father the devil. And the lust of your father ye will do, and he was a murderer from the beginning and abode in the truth. these men were murderous, they were not willing to abide in the truth. the reason we know they were murderous is because after Lazarus was raised from the dead, in John chapter twelve, they sought to murder Lazarus because he says that the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, so that was that was a murder that's because he now had a testimony that Jesus. Raise me from the dead. And so when Jesus has this confrontation in John 8 with the Jews, he doesn't argue one bit. In verse 37, I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me. Then he says in verse 39, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. See, And then he says to them, you're of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. So I fear for people who practice Judaism, Because my concern is that you have the spirit of Ishmael. You're not the true Israel of God. Let me say this. There are those in Israel that are the Israel of God, and there are those in Israel that's not the Israel of God. And it's like the wheat and tares that Jesus spoke of. I don't have the right to make that decision. Romans 9, verse 6, Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. They are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Now when he said the word of God hath taken none effect, he said the word of God did not fail. God promised in Genesis 3, there's going to be a seed. He made a covenant with a man called Abraham. And through your seed, this is going to come to pass. And then Paul, again in Galatians three twenty nine, if ye are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed. Galatians three twenty nine, and if ye be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So Jesus, again, he didn't argue about them being the seed of Abraham, but they weren't the promised seed. They were the seed of Ishmael. And that's the danger of people going back and trying to keep a law that's not even applicable to the Gentiles whatsoever. That's bondage. That's, the, that's And that's the worst kind of bondage because it's religious bondage. We know, you know, Seventh-day Adventist or Jeffrey's out there in Utah, that this is cult. It's sad, but that's what it is.
1: Yes, that is absolutely correct, a cult is what this is. And, you know, when I'm confronted by these Hebrew roots ilk, a lot of times they'll say, hey, why are you not refraining from pork? Why are you not keeping these feasts? Well, and I say to them, where are you burning your sacrifices?
0: Yeah. Well, what they'll try to justify is, well, now Christ did do away with the sacrifice, but he didn't do away with anything else. But yet the Bible said he nailed it all. All the ordinances were nailed to the cross. All of it was nailed to the cross. All the ordinances was nailed to the cross. All of it was abolished. Romans 10, verse 4 says plainly, For Christ is the end of the law. It's like watching a movie, and it says one thing at the end. The end. That's the end of the movie. That's the end of the law. It's the end. I'm sorry. You know, we have now GPS, and uh, we, we put in a, a, a city and a state, and we get there, says, you have now arrived at your destination. You're, you're at the end of your journey. Christ was the end of the law. Romans 10, 4. Everybody read that tonight. Romans 10, 4. Christ is the end of the law. What can I say? You know, here's another delusion. I've, I've witnessed this. These people, I never hear them talk about the baptism and the Holy Ghost. I never hear them talk about the baptism and the Holy Ghost. Being baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives others. They don't have the Holy Ghost. They don't know the truth. John sixteen thirteen. 13. How be it? When he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. The Holy Ghost does not preach law. The Holy Ghost preaches grace, 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 period. And I never hear these people talk about the baptism in the Holy Ghost. I never hear them talk about the gifts of the Spirit. They want to live back there in the past. You'll die in the past like Israel. You'll die in the wilderness. I feel that in my spirit. You will die wandering around in the wilderness trying to find it, and it's not in the law. It's in Jesus. And that's why he said, I'm going to give you another comforter. I have the Holy Ghost. You have the Holy Ghost. He has told us the truth. He's never one time, as you said earlier in this program, he's never convicted me about eating a pork chop. He's never convicted me about keeping the Sabbath. Never. I know I live right. I'm not perfect, but I live right. And I've never in my spirit been challenged by God to do this stuff. Never. And I know I know a little bit about the Bible. I'm not a novice when it comes to the scriptures. And I just don't see it.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that. I just, I don't see it either. And you know what? You said something just so astute. If you take anything away from this, it's, it is finished. Like you said, the end, the end. Again, it goes back to what you said earlier in the program, Mark seven thirteen, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition. And that's the bottom line.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, and that's, that was the end of the cross. It's finished. Jesus said, it's finished. It's over with. It's done. See, here, people, they'll understand God and history. Why did God allow the temple to be destroyed? He said, I'm wiping everything clean. You're going to hang on to this, and because you're going to hang on to it, I'm going to destroy it. I'm going to, I'm going to destroy your temple. And all that's left, the nearest thing that's left over there is the Western Wall. That's the most sacred religious place they have, and that is, that's it. They're desirous to build another temple. See, And they're going to go back. They're going to go back and, and start cutting lambs' throats and shedding blood and making sacrifices. They won't obtain them anything. But that's because Romans ten twenty five blindness in part has happened unto Israel until the fullest of the Gentiles be come in. They're blind until the Gentiles that God is going to bring in, which is you and I, once that number is reached, I don't know what it is, but once that goal is reached, that's when Christ will return. They will repent.
1: Well, you know, and the bottom line really is that to suggest that any Gentile believer that follows Jesus must be placed under Old Testament law it says, you said, it's nothing more than bondage. It's an antichrist spirit of bondage. And what is the scripture from the master himself, John eight three six? if the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed.
0: Absolutely. That's why he said that. I'm the one that set you free. You can't take any credit for any of it. And that's why we rejoice in that. Listen, I would hate to think I was trying to keep myself through my works. Now every Christian has works because they are saved. But works have nothing to do with salvation. Jesus had works, John 9 and 4. I must work the works of Him that sent me one his day, the night cometh when no man can work. Jesus had works, but but that has nothing to do with salvation. It's just a manifestation that you say you're who you are. I'm a Christian. There's works. I tithe, I fast, I pray, I give, I support widows, orphans, whatever. Uh, That's just the fruit of my work because I'm a Christian. But that doesn't save me. Religion is, is a monster. Religion is a monster. And people have turned the grace of God into a monster. When the thief on the cross, he didn't keep no law. He didn't didn't do anything. He just said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said, today shall thou be with me in paradise. They just keep pushing stuff that's, that's irrelevant. And when you said it right there in verse 36, John 8, whom the Son hath set free is free indeed.
1: Amen. Well, you ended on a perfect note, Pastor. We gotta be careful what kinds of doctrines of devils we're embracing here, folks. We want sound doctrine. I'm asking people to take it to the Lord and really pray about this because so many sadly are being duped. And it's like Pastor Langford said, people will just gobble up anything. Pastor Langford, thank you so much in your time in coming on the program on this very contentious topic. I really appreciate your time, and do come back and see us soon.
0: Absolutely. God bless everyone. and thank you for the opportunity to share the Word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Pastor Langford, Folks, that was Pastor David Langford, The Voice of Evangelism. You can find all his amazing stuff there at thevoiceofevangelism.com. That information is linked there on today's bio. Do go and listen to him on WWCR. You can catch his show Monday and Tuesday. The information's on his website. Such a prolific scriptorian. He is old school, but I'll tell you what, no one can preach like David Langford. And he's going to be preaching this fall in Branson, Missouri. Don't forget, September 15th through the 17th. Get your tickets. Boy, the Sunday alone is going to make that worthwhile. For more details, go to stevequail.com and click on that banner and you can get the full itinerary and a bunch of more details for that. Also, if you're gonna be in Colorado, if you're in that area or if you can get to this, Monty and Sharon Mulkey, of course, we're talking Wynne Worley, Frank Hammond, Derek Prince mentored Monty Mulkey. That's really exciting. Monty and Sharon have the spring conference and Carla Butod and I are going to be at that. That is in Montrose, Colorado. April 21st to the 23rd, 2017. Do prayerfully consider going to that. It's going to be a very powerful event. For more information, you can go to wccd.com. That's wccd.com. Just click on calendar and you'll see it right there. So two things going on this year that you don't want to miss. I have a little link on the right hand side of my website. If you go down halfway down, you'll see a little banner that says events. Do click on that. You can get the information for both of those. Do not forget tonight, 6 p.m. Pacific time. That's 9 p.m. Eastern. There's a call in number that's linked on last Thursday's bio. Go to the archives tab, that's radio archives. Go to March 23rd show with Pastor John Terrell. In the write-up in the bio, there's that number, the call-in number. That's, again, on my website. Go to the archives. Click on the March 23rd show. All that information and the details on that call tonight. Because guess what? It's question and answer. John Terrell will be live tonight on that call. You definitely want to join us as him and I will answer any questions you have on this two-part series called Demons, Sickness, and Depression. So call in with your questions tonight and then we will later broadcast that show in the week. It's going to be great. Call in and you can ask John anything about that two-part series. So do check that out. Thank you so much for tuning into the broadcast today. Hopefully we'll see you tonight. Good night and God bless.